Lord, as we spend some time around your word, I pray that by the Holy Spirit that you would make it come alive. We cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, thank you that as we focus on your word, you feed us in our spirit man, in our inner man. We pray your blessing on this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're just spending time in Hebrews today. Did you bring your Bible with? Please check the person next to you. If they didn't bring it, give them a really big smile. Now, we're still busy with the overall theme, overarching theme of communion with God. And this morning in particular, we're focusing on a life of pursuing God. This is the second part of a life of pursuing God. Uh, the first part I shared about three weeks ago. Now, a life of pursuing God is one of the major themes of Hebrews. You may not have been aware of that, but it's interesting to note, it's definitely a theme in Hebrews. Thirteen times, the author of Hebrews uses the phrase, let us. He says, let us this, or let us that, or let us the other. Thirteen times he uses the phrase, and he uses the phrase to spur us on in pursuing God. Last time we looked at the first six places where the phrase appears, and today we're going to look at the other seven places where let us appears. Let's quickly just recap on the first six places. You don't have to turn to these ones, I'll read them to you. Uh, number one of 13, let us be careful that we don't miss the fullness of God's blessing. Hebrews 4.1 says, let us be careful that we don't come short of it. Number two, let us realize that it involves effort on our part. Hebrews 4.11 says, let us, that's the second one, therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest, any, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Number three, let us hold fast to what we believe. Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Number four, let us not be afraid to come to God for help. Hebrews 4.15-16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us, this is the fourth one, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Just by the way, some people understand this scripture as a purely pressing into God's presence for the sake of experiencing His presence. But there is the other aspect. The context of the scripture is actually coming to Jesus because we need mercy. And we need grace. Because Jesus has been through it all. He was tempted and tested and yet was without sin. And so as we come into His presence, we can look forward to that grace and that mercy. Number five, let us press on to maturity. 
based on Hebrews 6.1, which says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us, that's the fifth one, go on to perfection, maturity, not laying again the foundation. And we said under that point that God doesn't want us to stay where we are. The journey of following the Lord Jesus Christ is a one of growing continually. By the way, chances are you have upgraded your computer in the last couple of years. Or if you haven't upgraded your computer, at least you've upgraded your software. Or you've upgraded your virus definitions, your antivirus, your semantic, or whatever it's, it's called, your AVG. You've upgraded. You've upgraded in our spiritual walk with the Lord, we need to be upgrading, receiving those new mercies every day, pressing on beyond the elementary things, going further into knowing Jesus Christ. Number six, let us keep on drawing near in confidence. Hebrews 10.22 says, let us, that's the sixth one, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So those are the six we looked at last time. Now let's touch on the seven that we're looking at today. In total, bringing about 13 times that the phrase, let us pursue God in some or other way. Number seven, let us hold fast without wavering because he is faithful. Have a look in your Bibles at Hebrews 10 and verse 23. Hebrews 10 verse 23. It says there, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, what is the definition of waver? Waver means to vacillate, to be unsteady, to fluctuate, to sway back and forth. Now, there's somebody that I know for years, I've known him for years, and he is a person that wavers. I've, I've known him for, I don't know, 15, 16 years, and this guy at times, he's serving God, and then he's not serving God. And then he's into all sorts of material things, and then he's not so into that. And, and then he comes back to church, and then a Christian offends him, and then he's out of church and offended, and the church is terrible. And, and then he's back, and he's forward, and he's to and fro, and, and in relationships. Then he's friends with this one, then, he, then he's back to this one. And all things change around. He's a guy who wavers all the time. But interesting, when he gets into a rough patch... I often see his number coming through on my phone. <laughs> yes, yes, how's it going? How's it going? We have a couple of coffee, cup of coffee, and uh, I always try to encourage him. I always try to speak life into him. But that's wavering, going between one thing and the other, swaying back and forth, vacillating. Now, the question is why should we hold fast and not waver? Well, the reason is this because. He who promised is faithful. Because the one that we serve does not go back and forth. He doesn't vacillate all the time. You don't begin to pray to the Lord one morning and the doors are closed, occupied. He's not interested in hearing your prayer because 
he's had a rough time in heaven. The lights have been tripping. It doesn't work like that, okay? <laughs> the prince of darkness has come to heaven. I'm no, just kidding. But it doesn't work like that. Jesus, the Father, is consistent towards us, consistent in faithfulness. And we should be consistent, holding fast without wavering, but it's because He is faithful. Perhaps you've heard me tell the story before, but they had a, a, an interview with Pastor well, Derek Prince. And it was close to the time when he was getting really old and he didn't have too many years left. And, and they said, after all the years of studying the Word and teaching the Word for so many years, Brother Derek Prince, what do you have to tell us? What sort of nugget can you leave with us? And he said, here it is. God is faithful. I like that. I like that. Let anyone who wants to boast, boast in this, that he knows God. And that he knows that he's a covenant-keeping God and he's faithful to his promises. Let's boast in God's faithfulness. Now, in verse 23, the idea of holding fast is clear, but there is a special emphasis on God's faithfulness. I want to say to you today, if for no other reason, just hold on, because others are telling you that God is faithful. Because maybe you haven't gotten this revelation just yet, but I want to tell you there can be so many testimonies. We could be busy here for hours today with endless amounts of people sharing God was faithful. God did this for me. God came through. God has been faithful. How many of you in your life, you do have a testimony of God's faithfulness? Raise your hand nice and high. Well, wonderful. Hold fast without wavering because He is faithful. Number eight. Let us spur each other on to love and good works. Have a look at verse 24. Hebrews 10 verse 24. And let us, that's the eighth let us, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Now the word stir up in the Greek it's a funny word, paroxosmos, paroxosmos, which means to incite. It means incitement for good. The King James Bible, if you read it in that, you'll see the word there, provoke. The Bible actually says we must incite one another to good. We must provoke one another to be good. In other words, we need to spur each other on to love and good works we should be the cheerleaders, the best cheerleaders in the world of those around us. We should be spurring other people on, inspiring other people to love, inspiring other people to release their potential, to release that treasure that's inside of them, to release their destiny, not just get stuck in a rut, incite one another to good works. Because, you know what, at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I love to be encouraged. We all love to be encouraged. There's like a, a need within us. And when our, our love tank is not full enough from that encouragement and that affirmation, it's like something's not right in life. But you get somebody around you that spurs you on to love and spurs you on to good works. I tell you what, it really fills your tank. Now, when does the spurring of each other 
most easily take place. I'll tell you when. Where and when. It's when we come together. Because the very next verse speaks about, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. Some people are not very strong in the Lord because they're not interacting with other believers in a close way. That's why coming together in smaller groups is very important. Being connected into a life group or a bunch of men when you you connect and you have a, a cup of coffee together or being involved even in coming to the services here, when we come together here, we're inciting one another to good. We're stirring one another up to love and to good works. And so take note that the incitement is also based in the context of the scripture, which says, don't stop meeting together, because we're going to need to do this to spur on love and good works. Number nine. Let us lay aside all hindrances. Please look at Hebrews 12 verse 1a, the first part of Hebrews 12 verse 1. It says, Therefore let us also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, that's the ninth one, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now, chances are, for most of us, sin is very easy to identify unless your conscience has become really messed up. But for most of us, sin is easy to identify. Okay, so we need to lay that off because it's not going to help me in running the race for the Lord. But weights, lay aside the sin and the weight, Weights are not so easy to always identify. They can be things like a low self-image. can be a weight that holds you back in your walk with the Lord. Condemnation can be a weight that holds you back. Another thing can be unrealistic expectations of yourself. You put so much pressure on yourself that actually you end up holding yourself back in your walk with the Lord. Another one is being overcommitted. You are just saying yes to so many things in your life. You are trying to please so many people and saying yes to everything that in the end of the day, your walk with the Lord is suffering because you've got all of these weights. Let me tell you another one which could be a weight. Debt. Debt. Debt can be one hang of a burden. I believe that God wants us as His children to become progressively more free of debt. He wants all these weights and these things that stop us from serving God with everything to be put aside. So that's number nine. Let us lay aside all the hindrances. Number ten. Let us consistently run the race for Jesus. Also in Hebrews 12, verse 1, the second part, and verse 2. It says there, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. I love that phrase. Looking unto Jesus. 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, running is hard work. It requires endurance. How many of you here have ever been involved in, let's say, either a, a marathon like a 21 or a 52 or an ultra marathon or even a fun run? Okay, let's even include the fun run people. How many of you have done one of those such events? Okay, how many of you have done that within the last month? Suddenly we separate the men from the boys. Well, no matter, no matter what, running is hard work. And as you run past some of these tents and they're handing out drinks and so on, sometimes it's just like, oh, just to stand there or just to sit on that chair would be so nice. But it does take pressing through. It does take endurance. Now, something that can help us to endure, there's two things that I'd like to mention that can help us endure. One of them is think about other people who have run the race faithfully which is actually the context of the scripture, which says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so many people who've run faithfully, this cloud of witnesses, because we're surrounded by these people, let their examples spur you on. It doesn't have to be characters from the Bible. It can be somebody that you know who served the Lord. Maybe your grandmother was an example of a, a, a virtuous person and a righteous woman of God. Think sometimes of your grandmother and how she would pray for you guys as a family and let, let that spur you on. You can even look at others in the body of Christ that aren't yet dead, but they've been serving God for a couple of years and you see integrity in their walk with the Lord. You see faithfulness in their walk with the Lord and that spurs you on. Another thing that can spur you on and to endure in, in uh, running the race consistently is the whole thing of uh, focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says, looking unto Jesus. I can do all things through the Lord Jesus Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes as you're just going through your day, take a moment here and there, just in your heart, just to draw closer to the Lord. It's like you can walk out of those 20 seconds of just focusing on the Lord with greater ability to run consistently. Number 11, let us be, sorry, let us constantly be open to receiving God's grace. If you look at Hebrews 12, now look at verse 28. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us... This is number 11 of 13. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. This means that we should constantly be experiencing and walking in God's grace. This also refers back to Hebrews 4.16, which we read earlier, which speaks of coming to the throne of grace. So in other words, grace needs to be in evidence in our lives. This is not something that you and I generate. This is something we receive. This is something that gets seen in our lives because 
we are in relationship with God. Because we are drawing on the strength and the life of the Lord Jesus, therefore others see grace in our hearts. They see grace in our lives. We shouldn't rely on our own ability, but in God's grace. We are saved by grace. And we can't do anything else to make, us, to make God love us more. You know what? That's the truth. You can, you can fast a whole bunch of days. You can go on a 40-day fast. By the end of that time, God's not going to love you any more than before the 40-day fast. It's grace, 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 grace. It's all about the grace of the Lord. This is the only way to serve God effectively is by grace. And this is where people caught up in dead religion get it wrong. They think through their efforts, but it is through the grace of the Lord. Number 12 of 13, I'm drawing it to a close. Number 12, let us take our stand for Jesus no matter what the cost. In Hebrews 13, verse 13, have a look at that verse with you, with me, would you? It says, therefore, let us, this is number 12, let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. A little bit of a strange scripture. Let us go forth to him outside of the camp bearing his reproach. And as I began to look at the scripture, I discovered that it means going outside of the camp means outside of the world. Outside of the worldly system. It can even speak of going outside of the the religious system. Because Jesus is not found inside the camp of humanity. He is not found inside the camp of the world. He's not found inside the camp of religion. But we have to go outside of the camp, outside of the worldliness to Jesus. We have to take a stand, be set apart, and be identified with Jesus Christ. It's interesting, Barnes' commentary says the following, We should be willing to regard ourselves as identified with the Lord Jesus and to bear the shame and criticism which that may bring. Now, on the whole, I'm of the opinion that serving God, there's an aspect of ease because God does say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. There's an aspect of ease in serving the Lord, but there's also times when it's not easy. Am I talking to anybody here today? There's also times when serving God is very difficult. And where you have to risk certain things, where you have to face ridicule from people, sometimes you have to face rejection by some of the people you work with because of who you stand for. But you know what? We need to be prepared to stand up for Jesus, no matter what the cost. Because although sometimes it might be a little bit lonely at times, when we get to heaven, God will reward us 
so lavishly that this will pale into insignificance because we've taken a stand for Jesus. So, what's the point? Are you standing with the world or are you standing with Jesus? There's some people here today, you came and stood up at the front here, you took a visible stand for the Lord Jesus today. I want to challenge you as you go back into your circle of influence, whether that be work or family or otherwise, as you go back into that circle, stand up for Jesus. Don't be a Bible-punching Christian, but just be a Christian that is full of the love of God and stands on the principles of the Word of God. So that's number 12. Let us take our stand for Jesus no matter what. And the last one, number 13, which is just very brief. Let us never stop praising Him. Look at verse 15, Hebrews 13, verse 15. This is the 13th, let us. Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to Him. How many praises and worshippers do we have in the congregation today? It's wonderful. I, I'm so blessed by the level of participation of this congregation when we worship God and when we bless Him. Part of a life of pursuing God is that you would be a praiser. That the fruit of your lips would be giving thanks to God. You will never be able to have a really close and beautiful relationship with God if praise and worship is not a part of your life. And so I want to encourage you, through these 13 aspects, through these 13 let us points today, that we pursue God. That, like David said, my heart follows hard after Him. Would you please bow your heads as we pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You that we've been encouraged through Your Word today. And we just want to let You know, Father, that we are not endeavoring to stop where we are and to just become comfortable. But our hearts are following hard after you. We are determined to pursue you in a greater way. And Lord, as we become sort of older in the faith and more mature in the faith and have walked with you for a number of years, we're not going to rest on our laurels but we are going to pursue you even more. We're going to follow you even more. I pray for a godly hunger to be stirred in the hearts of men and women in this congregation. I pray for a godly hunger that will be in, insatiable, that will not be able to be satisfied, but that we will want more of God, that we will pursue more of you. And when there's things that are holding us back, we would lay those things down and we would pursue you. Because we set before you, Jesus. We set before you, before our eyes, the Lord Jesus. And because we have set you before us, we shall not be moved. But our heart is fixed, firmly trusting in the Lord. And Lord, now I pray the prayer of Jabez over everybody here. I pray, O oh God, that you would bless us indeed. And enlarge our territory. I pray that your hand would be upon us and with us that you would keep us from evil and that we would not cause pain, 
And we bless you, Lord. We give you thanks for this wonderful time in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.